All right. Uh, Evan stressed that this needs to be five minutes or less. And uh, since I'm not working through a text of Scripture, I think I can do that. Um, should be very simple for me to stand before you and just uh, kind of share with you my testimony and how we've come to this point today. Um, I was saved at a very young age and have always been very grateful for the fact that I was raised in church. And over the course of my life, I always had a deep affection for the body of Christ. And uh, there's, there's never really been a point in my life when I was disconnected from the body, and I praise God for that. Um, what I pray that you hear in this testimony um, is, is nothing really about me, but just about what God has done. Um, God saved me. God brought me um, up in the church. He used my parents, of course, to do that, but, but God, God made that happen. Um, God gave me a, a, a Christian wife. Um, God allowed us to start our home and begin our home, uh, growing our family in the church. And uh, over the course of uh, my adult life, it, it never really occurred to me that I wanted to enter into professional ministry. But as my convictions grew that biblical, the biblical pattern of church leadership involved a plurality of elders, and as this conviction became stronger and stronger in my mind, I started to, to sort of embrace this reality that, you know, if, if, if not everyone is called into professional ministry as, they're, as, they're, uh, as, as the field that they work in, but yet God also um, lays out for us the picture of a plurality of elders to lead churches, it's incumbent upon men who have the qualifications and ability to serve God and serve his church in that capacity. It's incumbent upon them to submit to that call. So I stand before you today just sharing with you that that, that is my heart. Um, I have a strong belief in a plurality of elders as the biblical means of church leadership, and I'm committed to that, and I'm willing um, and um, unspeakably privileged to, to serve in that capacity, and that North Hills would allow me to lead um, in teaching and the um, administration of his word, um, that that's something that I don't take lightly. And um, I pray for uh, my church, and I ask that you pray for me, that, that everything that we do here at North Hills would not be about, about us, would not be about, um, you know, we, we, sometimes I think we, we get a little excited to talk about how great North Hills, and don't get me wrong, I think North Hills is great. But great, uh, North Hills is great because God is great. And uh, may we never lose sight of that, and may we work together um, to follow Christ. And he is the head of the church, as has been mentioned. And uh, that's, that's, my, um, th that's my, my heart and my burden for, for us as, as North Hills, is to, is to continue to follow Christ, to point people to the salvation that only Christ provides. And uh, that, is, uh, that is why I'm here today. And that's why I've entered into this two-year process to be examined and uh, today to be, to be ordained as, as one of your elders. So I love you, church. Good morning, church. So this time right now, um, we are going to open up God's word and give a charge to the elder to the pastor, to Adam in this case. Um, but I want you to make sure you don't check out because the words that are delivered to Adam today um, are most beneficial for the church as a whole. 
while we are applying them to the pastorate this morning, um, they are to be applied to us as individuals. And so uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 2 Timothy. Um, We have two letters to Timothy, um, very pastoral, um, in how Paul addresses Timothy. And uh, it is no surprise that this might be where one would land in a charge to a pastoral candidate. Um, I'm going to start at the end of chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 in chapter 3, starting in verse 14, and we're going to read through the verse uh, 8 verses of chapter 4. So if you would, uh, let's stand as we read God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reproof, rebuke and exhort with the with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you Always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on the day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Father, this morning we love your word. And this morning as we open it and teach it, as we hear it being proclaimed, God, may you turn our hearts to you. And may you use uh, your word uh, to go forth and not return void. May people hear and respond to your word. It's in your son's name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. You be seated. All right, Adam, what I'm going to share this morning um, is part of Adam's heart. Um, It is part of why he is coming to us as an elder and what we have seen in him. The charge today is not necessarily for today, because for today... As we mentioned in your council, we, we aspire, we, we desire to be in the place that we are. We know and love what is set before us. My charge today is to continue in the faith. My charge today is to take up what 
God has written and ordained to men as his word uh, and live it for life. So, one, scripture is sufficient. In all of these passages, Paul is pointing to the sufficiency of scripture. And in 14, 15, even 16, um, we see, but as for you, continue in what you've learned. What does he learn? He's learned the word of God. And he says, this is the sacred writings which you are able, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. He is putting forth the idea that scripture is sufficient to tell us about salvation. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training, righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the word of God is sufficient, it is profitable, it is corrective. That is, as one who is leading the church, we are not leading based on our feelings or a whim or what we think is best, but we are leading based on the sufficiency of Scripture. If ever a day comes when an elder at this church or any other church decides that they're going to do things their way, they are no longer in right understanding of what it means to be an elder. In our own lives, if, if you're not an elder, if one day you aspire to be an elder, if one day you will raise up one of your kids and they will be an elder, the word of God is sufficient for them. If we came in here this morning and we didn't have nursery and we didn't have any lights on, we could open up the word of God and it would be sufficient for us today. We'll have nursery next week. <laughs> I'm just picking. Oh, we will have nursery next year. Um, so the scriptures are sufficient. They are profitable. Like it, it's, it's not some whim. It's not just, hey, let's, let's do this because God said it. it. It's actually something that is for profit for his people. It is corrective for his people. Ultimately, that makes it sufficient for his people. In light of that, then preach the word. Four, two, preach the word. Okay, I just told you scripture. I didn't make anything up. Preach the word. That's what verse 2 of chapter 4 says. Preach the word. If I could say it 20 more times, I would say preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. How should we preach the word? We should do it with complete patience. We should do it completely teaching. So, the words in the English here, with complete patience and teaching, the complete is actually with both. It is, we are to completely teach. We are to completely be patient in our teaching. As we stand in the pulpit, as you study Scripture, it is our understanding that we should look to the totality of God's Word. We should not pick it apart and say this and that. We will not be Thomas Jefferson and make our own Bible. We will not desire to rip any of this out. It is God's word and it is sufficient in its totality. 
is not to be our own passion or our own truth, as previously stated, and that's in verse 3. Do not be the teacher to suit their own passions. It is not us that is driving what the church is about. It is what God has set forth in his word. That is what the church is about. So then, preach the word. And then, so then, rely on the word. Rely on scripture. Reproof. Rebuke, exhort, reproof, reproof, and correction in verse 16 of chapter 3. For salvation in verse 15 of chapter 3, every good work, it is equipping for every good work in verse 17 of chapter 3. This is what we are relying on. As I mentioned, um, we don't always feel as if we're right like we don't always feel as if I'm doing things right I don't always feel as if I can be here doing this in front of you in fact rarely do I feel as if I should be behind this mic in front of you it is only because of Christ it is only because of what he has done and is only been revealed to us in his word. And that's all I can rely on. What Christ has done for me and what he has given me in his word. I can't rely on my intuition or my gut. My gut is at the whim of whatever I ate last night. It will be tossed to and fro by the weather of the day. My gut is not what I rely on, my, my feeling, my inklings. It is the preached word going forth in the pulpit that will change hearts, and we will rely on that. So rely on Scripture, but then if Scripture is sufficient, also we should demand Scripture. We should demand that it is looked to. There are those who do not demand it, and we see that in this. For there's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off to myths. If, if Scripture is sufficient, if, if what has been revealed to us in God's Word, then elder, pastor, Demand that people look to it. Demand that they hear it. Demand that they look and respond to God's word, not to your whim. It is not our passions that are driving what is happening in the church. I don't think I can say that any other way. To make it more clear is that we are holding up the word of God to be what we would call the arbiter of all things, but ultimately this is what is the basis for what is being taught in the church, or it should be what is the basis for being taught, and we should 
look and demand that it is the basis for everything in the Christian life. Your eldership should demand Scripture. Adam, the end of this is fulfill your ministry. Paul gives a little snippet to Timothy there in those last few verses that we read. He said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who has loved his appearing. In verse 5, before that, he says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Even before that, he had told young Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned. You know how from your childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Like continue in that. And in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If the scriptures are sufficient, it will come out in everything that the elder does. If the scriptures are sufficient, it will come out in everything that the Christian does. Church, do not miss this that as one who is an elder and Paul talking to them and asking them, telling them, urging them, compelling them to fulfill their ministry, it is a call to all of us. It is a call for all of us to strive to fulfill what Christ is doing, has done for his church and continues to do. Be sober-minded. Remember that our minds are are just earthly men. Remember that we um, are here only because of Christ, and that is sobering. Endure. The things that will happen in ministry um, will be the highlights of your life and the lowlights. Endure. Evangelize. Tell the world of this Christ who has saved you. And one day we'll be able to say we finished the race, that we've kept the, the faith. And may at the end of that day, may no one know your name. May no one know who Adam Johnson is, James Douglas, John McCartney, Ryan Lane, Evan Kinnise. May they not know that name, but they, they know the name of Christ who we proclaim here and now and for always. Evan, come pray. visitors this morning you showed up and you wonder who the two guys were in shorts and shirts and if you're members this morning you wonder why our elders had coats on and everybody just been confused today it's been an exciting day has it not church and now you're confused why are we preaching again 
Surprise, three baptisms, two sermons. It's going to be a great day. If you have your Bible still, we're not done. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. As James has given us the charge to the candidate, and as he said this morning, Adam is not a candidate. Actually, this morning, that's just kind of some lingo uh, of ordination. He is an elder of the church, as he has been uh, affirmed and appointed uh, several weeks back. But uh, my task this morning is to issue the charge to the church. And likewise, as James said earlier, uh, Adam, you don't get just to check out because you also have elders, right? And so this is a charge to you as well. But primarily, this is a charge to, to you, the church, as, um, as we, not only does, as Adam, as an elder, have roles and responsibilities to fulfill towards the church body, but the church body also has a response towards her elders, as we will see clearly in God's Word here in Hebrews chapter 13. So if you have your Bible, let us look to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, most specifically in verses 7 through 19. We're going to see four responses in the New Testament here um, in the, the four responses of the church to her elders. So let's read this passage, and we're going to primarily stay in Hebrews, uh, dip in a little bit of 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians, and not try to be too long this morning. But it is it has been good to hear the extra coups this morning, has it not, of these little ones? If you are uh, normally have your baby in the uh, nursery, as I told a couple of parents this morning, it's okay. All right, so just a constant reminder. I know we say it often, the only people that your baby bothers is who? Is you. And so you need to hear that, okay? So Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 7, says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not been not which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of the of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for what would be for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us that we are sure for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you that the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you again for your word as we continue in your word this morning. It is no light task that we come to your word to lead us and guide us, Lord. Even in this charge to the church, Lord. 
May we look to it to guide our thoughts and how the church is to respond to her elders. Thank you, Lord, for giving us clear leadership in your word for your church. Lead us and guide us now by your word and through your spirit. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. So there are four responses of the church to her elders. The first uh, is this. The church is to imitate her elders. The church is to imitate her elders. When you go back to verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And imitate their faith. You can go real quick to also just to reference 1 Corinthians. Two verses in 1 Corinthians I like to look at. You can just take a quick pit stop, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to pick up verse, uh, uh, verse 1. A real, uh, real, very direct verse, and most of us are familiar with 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Paul says uh, very succinctly, he says, Be imitators of me, because he has it all together, right? He is the apostle. So that's why he says, look to me. No, he says, be imitators of me. Why? As I am of Christ. We don't need to look to Adam Johnson because he is just the next great thing, right? We need to be imitators of elders because they are looking to Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Ultimately, we all need to look to Christ. He is the sure and perfect example. He is the one that we ultimately need to imitate. But Paul is an apostle who is the one who is ultimately leading these elders of the church and establishing elders in the churches that he is planning throughout uh, the, the known world. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it's the passage that we're ultimately trying to get to here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14 through 17 says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child of the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. The church is to imitate her elders. But like all men, elders are imperfect men in need of a Savior. However, just as Paul says to imitate him as he does Christ, elders ought to be men who are striving to model Christ in every aspect of their life for all of those around them. And as I think about Adam Johnson as a man that I've had the privilege to get to know well in these past couple of years, an area that we can imitate uh, Adam in is in personal evangelism and discipleship. His commitment to, uh, to both of those arenas in his life has led many people to hearing and responding to the gospel. I'd be missed not to see George here right in the front who we baptized right in this baptistry just last year. And Adam wouldn't say, look to me to see what, what I have done. But he said, look to Christ who has done all the work in George's life. And George would say the same thing, right, George? He'd say, look what Christ has done in me. Not what Adam. He wouldn't say, look what Adam has done in me. He said, look what Christ has done in me. Because Adam is not what Adam has done. And so the church is called to imitate her elders. As elders are imitating Christ. But as we think about Adam this morning, even in this ordination, one two areas that he has uh, that we should imitate in his life is 
personal evangelism and discipleship. He has committed his life. He has invested his life. He continues to invest his life, especially in young men, in sharing the gospel and personal evangelism and discipleship. And we've seen that over and over again. And so let us be a church that imitates her elders. Secondly, the church is called to submit to her elders. To submit to her elders. You go there in our passage in Hebrews 13. In verse 17 there, Obey your elders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Although these concepts of submission and obedience are not popular in our time and culture today, they are both biblical and gospel-centric. The concepts of submission and obedience. You can also go to 1 Thessalonians, just a couple of books over, chapter 5 and verse 12. We're also going to look at this concept in Colossians here in just a few weeks. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. We know this in Ephesians, in our time in Ephesians, this idea of respect and submission. And so this, this, this call that, uh, that the author of Hebrews is giving to, to obey your, your leaders and to submit to them, this word that Paul gives to the, to the church at Thessalonians, to respect these leaders. The church is called to submit to her elders, to submit to the authority of the church. God in His holy wisdom has appointed, as Adam said earlier, a plurality of elders as the leadership model of His church. It's not just a decision of of strategy. It's not just a decision of what is logically best. It is God in His wisdom has appointed the plurality of elders as the leadership model of His church. Those elders aren't just chosen by a democratic vote or get appointed when they miss a business meeting, right? That would be the best way to do it. Hey, we had a business meeting. Bob and Joe and Tim, y'all missed out. You're the elders for the next two years. It's not how this works. Instead, they have an internal calling that comes from God and is confirmed by the church as we see in Timothy and Titus. They give themselves to the ministry of the Word and to prayer. They commit themselves to the ministry of the Word and to prayer. We see this in God's Word. They commit themselves to the people of God. It is, it is most honoring to God for this to be a ministry of joy and not a ministry of burden, as the author of Hebrews says. It says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. I think what's the underlying truth there is, is that an elder in a church, that a pastor in a church, he will do it either way. Whether it's with joy or groaning, he will serve the church. And so church, we are to submit to our elders, and so let them, let it be a service of great joy. And so let us, let the church, the church is called to submit to her elders. And now that Adam has been called as an elder to North Hills, he is an elder. Not a rookie elder, not a first year in training elder, not a junior elder. He has just as much voice and leadership as the rest of us at North Hills. Thirdly, not only 
as the church called to submit to our elders, not only as the church called to imitate our elders, thirdly, the church is called to care for her, for her elders. In verse 16 there, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing unto God. And going back to that First Thessalonians passage, that Paul is, is, is uh, speaking to the church there in 1 Thessalonians 5.13 where he says that I ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And he continues, he says, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So we see that the church is called to care, to love, to esteem their elders. So the church is called to submit to the elders, to imitate the elders, but the church is also called to care for the elders. I would say it is a human default response when you come to church or you come to almost any organization. What can that organization do for me, right? It's just our default response to think about how we can benefit from a situation, even in the church, sadly. How can we be served? How can we be cared for? But the message of the New Testament is to be others focused because that's what Christ has modeled. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the New Testament says that we are, out, we are to outdo one another with kindness. That we are to serve one another, love one another, show hospitality to one another. And so my charge to you this morning, North Hills, is to, is to consider how can you care for Adam and his family in the same way? May we as a body be earnestly and eagerly desire to serve, love, and show hospitality, and to be gracious, to be kind, and so much more to Adam and Rebecca and to Ellie and to Isaac and to Silas. May North Hills be a blessing to their church. How many churches have not been a blessing to their pastors and to their elders? May we be a blessing because we are a church that have cared for Adam and his family. A church is called to care for her elders, to submit to her elders, to imitate her elders. And finally, the church is called to pray for her elders. The author of Hebrews made no, uh, no bones about it. He said this in verse 18. He said, pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So not only is the church called to care for and to submit to and imitate our elders, the church is called to pray for her, for her elders. And although the elder, does, the elder does many things in and through and for the church, his two fundamental, his two fundamental biblical responsibilities are to the ministry of the word and to pray. That is the two fundamental responsibilities of the elder in the life of the church is the ministry of the word and to prayer. Prayer is essential in the life of the believer and the life of the church. Because it reveals our reliance on God. Prayer tells of how our trust is in the Lord. And prayer also keeps us in step with the Spirit. And Paul knew this, and the author of Hebrews knows this. 
And this is why he asked, this is why the authors of Hebrews asked believers to pray for them. The church, pray for your elders. Pray for Adam. Pray for his family. And don't just be like the average Christian, right? Can I just say that? I pray for you. How many times have we said that? Pray for you. And then what do we do? Eh, we don't pray for that. One thing that I've been encouraged, and our elders have been encouraged by Adam since he's been with us, is he has given, he's taken the time to give us a very practical prayer guide for every person in our church. And so every day we're praying for every single person in our church on a very specific rotation. And so it's been very helpful that every day, every single person in our church is being prayed for by every single one of us. And, uh, and you're probably getting texts and messages in different ways. And Prayer is vital for the life of the church. And so in turn, let us pray for Adam and his family. Four ways that I would uh, specifically ask you to pray for Adam. One, pray that Adam would be a faithful husband to Rebecca and a gospel-centered father to Ellie, Silas, and Isaac. Pray that Adam would be a faithful husband to Rebecca and a gospel-centered father to Ellie, Silas, and Isaac. Number two, pray that Adam continues to grow in his understanding of God's word. Number three, pray that Adam continues to grow in his love for God's people. Pray that Adam continues to grow in his love for God's people. And number four, pray that God would continue to give Adam patience in the church planting process. And maybe add to your prayer that God would bring about that work in his expeditious timing. And we, we joke about that, and Adam has been, been very clear that this is, he is called to, to be an elder here at North Hills Church. This is not a stepping stone to go plant another church. And I want to be clear, I want to celebrate that in Adam's life. But I also want to recognize that he has, as, as Evan prayed this morning, he has a, a fire in his bones to preach God's word. And we should celebrate that. And we celebrate the fact that God has put in him a desire to go plant a church because we as, that is a desire in North Hills from the very beginning of North Hills. And so God has, has placed someone amongst us, and not just Adam, but Evan. We should celebrate that. So as we talk about even imitating an elder and imitating her elders, let us be people that God is raising up, not just elders to plant churches, but people and members to go with them. And it's a good thing to celebrate. As I look out over this full room right here, and all of these babies and all of these people in full parking lots, guess what? We don't have enough bathrooms, people. We don't have enough nursery space. We don't have enough education space. And by the looks of it, we don't have enough room in here. And guess what the solution is? It's not to build bigger buildings. It's not to build better bathrooms. You know what the solution is? To go plant churches. You know where it starts? It's in God raising up elders. And God stirring in people's heart to go with those elders to plant churches. And guess where he's, guess where he's going to get those people? If you've got a mirror, you can pull it out right here. So we celebrate that. Now, we don't know 
if that's in six weeks, six months, or six years. I don't know. And we've never presumed to know God's timing. So pray that God will continue to give Adam and us patience in this church planning process. So the church is called to pray for elders, to care for elders, to submit to our elders, and imitate our elders. And so we celebrate this ordination today. We celebrate this calling out of Adam as, a, as the next elder here at North Hills. And love you, brother, and very excited about what he's going to do in the weeks and months and years ahead. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for a chance to, to celebrate what you uh, have been doing in these recent years and what you're doing now and what you're going to do in the, the months and years ahead that we don't even know. But, Lord, you are actively at work as you have always been and you will always be. And you are sovereign and you sit on your throne and we can trust you. And, Lord, we can celebrate and we can rejoice even when we don't know. And so I thank you for this wonderful morning, Lord, as we've been able to celebrate baptism, been able to celebrate this ordination, been able just to celebrate your word, <clears throat> even to celebrate young life, Lord, and we're all together. And so as we continue to sing this morning, as we come to your communion table, as we have a chance to give, Lord, as we think about even our, our financial giving, and it's used to, to grow your kingdom, Lord, and to one day be used to, to plant churches. Lord, may we remember that everything we do in this place is in some way, Lord, to, to gather, to grow, give, and to go for the glory of Jesus and his great gospel. So help us to respond this morning to that very gospel. In the name of Christ we do pray. Amen.